0: If you've been with us, you know that we have been going through the Old Testament together, um, book by book, um, sometimes a whole book in a week and sometimes two. And we find ourselves today, providentially, in the book of Ruth. Let me just read the first verse uh, to kind of kick off this lesson that we have in Ruth. Ruth 1.1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, A man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. So we look one page before in the book of Judges, and the last thing that we heard in the book of Judges is a line that's repeated several times throughout. that says, And in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. The book of Judges is this book that over and over again chronicles the unfaithfulness of God's people. They are to enter this land, they are to be God's people, and they are to worship him alone. And if they were to do those things, to to take the land, to bring God's goodness in every corner of that place, God was going to bless them, and those who cursed them would be cursed. And from them, all nations would be blessed. That was the hope as they entered into this promised land. But the book of Judges is just story after story of God's faithfulness to his people, but their unfaithfulness to him. And so there's a cycle that goes through the book of Judges. And each time the people do evil in the sight of the Lord, and God then sends those who come and oppress oppress them, Midianites and Amalekites and all kinds of people. And they are under this oppression for sometimes a very long time, not just weeks or months, but years, sometimes even decades under these oppressors. And finally, the people of God turn their eyes off from the land and to God, and they cry out to him, and God hears their cry. He sends a judge to come and save them from themselves and save them from these oppressors. And so the judge does that for a while in, in, in miraculous ways, and it doesn't take long till once the judge dies, for the people to turn back to the things they've done before. And this was a heavy book for us because we saw even the judges themselves got progressively worse and worse and worse until we see just these horrific things happening in Israel in the last part of Judges. And that's where it leaves off. And then we, we turn back here to where we are in the book of Ruth, and we find that the story of Ruth is set against that kind of, of background, that all of this oppression and, and troubles that are coming on Israel, all these terrible Judges, all that stuff is going on. But this story of Ruth stands out. It's a different kind of story. We have a, the same kind of backdrop today, it appears. I got to talk to Rick Flammer earlier, and you know he pointed out that all the things that we gain comfort from in this world, all the things that kind of prop us up, in a matter of weeks, they've all been knocked down. The things that we love, they're under duress. Well, it's stock markets, our jobs, the price of oil, we can't even watch go home and watch uh, our favorite sports team and root them on. Restaurants are closing. We can't go on vacations. We can't even be with our friends. This is this would be we couldn't even imagine this a month ago. But here we are. All the things that we lean into in in those times in which we don't feel peace. They're gone. Even our powerful government brought to its knees. There's almost nothing they can do to stop what's happening. There is a real sense of loss. And we all experience it and know it differently. Or the fear or panic, uh, anger. Some of us get ex- exceedingly tired, irritable. And as we forge into a new rhythm of life, we need a way through this. This is uncharted territory for us, but I wanna tell you this is not uncharted territory for our God, and this is one of those stories. So we, we had this whole backdrop of the book of Judges and how badly, how horrible things were, and we were feeling just kind of a, uh, a brief moment of that in our lives right now. People at that time were, were living in holes in the ground. Their crops were, were burned, their, their livestock stolen, And here we are today in our own kind of mess, and that's our backdrop. But in the foreground, we hear the story of a family. And this story doesn't last like 350 years like the book of Judges does. The book of Ruth is maybe just a couple of months, and it pertains to a small group of people in a little, no-place kind of town called Bethlehem. We meet our characters in the in the first few verses. There's a man whose name is Elimelech, and his wife is Naomi, and they have sons, two sons. One's name is Malon and one is Kilion. And they live in the city of Bethlehem. Now it's important to know uh, what the Hebrew translations for these, the English translation of the Hebrew is Elimelech, Elimelech means God is king. Naomi means pleasant, and Bethlehem means house of bread. The Bible says, and at that time, there was a famine that came on the land. Well, it doesn't surprise us maybe why there might be a famine. After we've been through the book of Judges, we saw that uh, very regularly the people of Israel are fi- facing all kinds of struggles because of their unfaithfulness to God, for they're going out and being like the surrounding area, marrying these other women and taking, taking on their gods and worshiping in ways that are, uh, are tro- atrocious to God. And this is the setting. And now we hear these people, Elimelech and Naomi, and they come from Bethlehem. But there is a famine in Bethlehem. It's as if there is no bread in the house of bread. And so they leave this place, this whole family, uproots from the land that is God's land, the land they were to occupy to be faithful in. They uproot and go to a very horrible place, the place of Moab. These are enemies. These are longtime enemies. Of the children of israel they have stabbed the children of israel in the back uh, as they've entered in the promised land they are not loved respected they are even a cursed people and they they choose to go there of all places and when they get there what do they do the bible says they marry moabite wives can you see a problem with that they were just commanded not to be like the surrounding areas. But in this little story, we see this little family uproot and go to a place that they really shouldn't be and begin to live their lives with people they really shouldn't be with. And before we even know the first chapter, we find out that the father dies. Elimelech is gone. Elimelech, God is king, but he's not with God's people. And then we see that the two sons, Malon and Chilion, they die as well. So now the story even gets more dire for our main characters here, Naomi and Ruth. Naomi now is in a foreign land with no husband, no sons. All she has is two daughter-in-laws. And what is she gonna do in this place? She has no family, she has no resources. She only has burdens in these women. So she hears that back home, there is, uh, there is uh, food once again in Bethlehem that the barley harvest is making, that maybe God's judgment against that place is lifted. As we look at the book of Ruth today, we're actually going to see three stories, three love stories. In the midst of all the chaos, there are three love stories. Now, this is not an American tale, so they're not romantic love stories. They're a unique kind of love story. And the first love story has to, is between two unlikely characters, Naomi and Ruth. Naomi sees that she has no, no reason to be in Moab anymore. So she tells these young ladies that she's going to go back to her land. As she tells them that, this, the, the, the two daughter-in-laws say, we'll go with you. She cautions them that that's that's not a wise move. It's not good for them to do that. It's not in their best interest. There's no way that she can produce another husband for them to marry, another son of hers. It'd be impossible. Best to stay there. And so one of the daughter-in-laws agrees, but not Ruth. Ruth clings to her and grabs her and won't let her go. We can read this in verse 16. It says, but Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord, now when she says the Lord, this is the the Lord God of Israel. May the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. You know, as I read those words, as you saw them on the screen, you probably realized that I think I, I, I know those, and you've probably heard those when you were at a wedding ceremony. Well, this is, these aren't married people, right? This is a, a different kind of love. It is a kind of love that is set apart from the world's love that, that people know today. It, it is a love between, of all people, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law. That, that relationship at that time and, that, and at this time is one that's oftentimes, let's just say, encumbered. But here, there's this great love where this, this young lady says, I'll go with you and go wherever you go. It's a profound kind of love that sets itself apart from the horribleness of the day. Where does she know this God from? She may be like Rahab, as we talked about in the book of Joshua, who had heard about the God of the children of Israel. And now she was gonna give her life to this God and to these people and to this woman. It's a profound kind of love. So Ruth and Naomi, They head back. They they return to the house of bread. Apparently it was full of bread again. And as they go, Naomi enters into that town and people begin to recognize her and they begin to celebrate her. And she she wants nothing to do with it. She says, don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara. And that word means bitter because, because all of all the things that happened to her. She has been emptied of so many things. She's left her home, she's lost her husband, she's lost her sons, she comes back to nothing. Call me, call me Mara. Oftentimes that's what happens in the midst of circumstances like the book of Judges, in our times as well, that it can drive us in a certain direction Instead of finding peace and comfort in the things of God, we only become bitter. Mara, Naomi, is bitter. She presumably returns to this land, to an empty house. There is nothing there for her. So what she does is she sends out Ruth into the fields to glean. This is a way for those who are poor to have... To have some kind of sustenance, so they would follow behind those who were gleaning in the field, and whatever it fell, they were able to pick it up, and they got the scraps of what was left over. So Naomi tells Ruth to go and see Boaz at night. She tells her that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer. Now, that's not a term we're, we're used to, but in that time, uh, when a, uh, a a husband would die and there was a widow left, someone in the family would come and marry that widow or bring that widow into the family so that they might preserve the land and preserve the lineage, the name of that person. You can understand that because that's part of the promises to Abraham. So she's saying that Boaz could be that person that redeems us. And so she goes to him in the cover of night. She slides under the covers with him. He wakes up and he asks, who is this? And she says in chapter three, verse nine, uh, I am Ruth, your servant spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And so Boaz listens to this, and he agrees to take care of Ruth however he can. And so he sends her away. And then in the morning, he goes to the city gate. And in the city gate, all the officials are there. And this is a place of business. And they sit down for this uh, kind of a business meeting. And he says, okay, uh, I want to talk about this woman, Naomi and Ruth, and I want to redeem them. Is there anyone closer? And there is someone who is a closer kinsman, and he says, I'll, I'll redeem them because I am, a, of cl- I am closer than you are. And then he explains that, well, you're going to have to take on Naomi and Ruth. And the man says, I, I, that's going to mess with my heritage, my inheritance. It's too much of a burden. You can do it. And so Bo- Boaz redeems them which means that he's bringing them into his household at his expense, he's bringing a Moabite lady in his home, two widows, and he's gonna care for them and provide for them. And so he marries Ruth. This is the second love story. How this man of standing, of dignity, would love this woman who's a foreigner not because of financial advantage, not because of what he would get, not because of even her beauty, but because of her character and her love for the mother-in-law. And because he wants to fulfill this bigger plan of God, he marries her because it is good. Our third love story. And in this scene, Ruth and and Boaz have married, and they now have a baby. The women all gather together, and Naomi is caring for the baby, and the women begin to celebrate God's kindness to her. And then she says that the the child's name should be Obed. And then we look in the genealogy here right after that, the closing words of Ruth chapter 4, that Obed is going to be the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. What would have been looked for at the end of Judges that there had not been a king, if only there had been a king, here's a king. And it comes from a Moabite woman, this woman who is far away from the things of God. When God's people were even far away from the things of God, by God's providence, he's brought them home. And he's providing for his people a king. You and I know that King David was the best king that Israel ever had. But he wasn't a great king. And he didn't lead his people to all be righteous and be followers after him. They didn't claim all the land. David himself killed someone and was an adulterer. Now, the king that they needed was still yet to come. The grandson of the grandson of the grandson of the grandson and so forth of King David, there would become a king. There would be a king who would come and save his people, who would change their hearts. This was the king that Israel needed so badly. And here we see that this is the third act, the third kind of love that's found in the book of Ruth, that God provides for his people, that he makes a way. And he'll make a way when all seems lost, You notice the man in the first chapter, his name was Elimelech, God is king. But he didn't live too much like God is king, and he died in Moab. At the end of the book of Ruth, we see clearly God is king, Elimelech. In these days of uncertainty, my prayer for us as a people is that we would recognize Elimelech. God is king, as things shift and shake around us, that we would be so filled with this love, that we would have such a peace and such a joy in the midst of a time that is not peaceful, that isn't joyous, that we could have a love that so fills us by spending time in his presence that we overflow and have a love that looks a lot like Boaz and Ruth that we would have a kindness to those who are around us, that we could be a source of comfort and peace, that we could bring joy into others' lives. My friends, Elimelech, God is king. Let us not forget in the midst of these trials and tribulations.